0: Hello, and welcome to Lifetimes of Learning, a production at the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia. In our podcast series, we'll be discussing the teachings and principles of Buddha Dharma, which is just as relevant today as they were 2,600 years ago. In this podcast, we will cover Chapter 10 of the book, titled, Bringing Wisdom to Life, authored by Anita Carter and Frank Carter. Published by Tableau Publishing in 2018. Copyright held by Buddhist Discussion Centre Upway Limited. Whether you are on the meditation cushion or on your way to work, we invite you to bring your mind inside and listen to the teachings of the Buddha. Chapter
1: 10 Refuge The Buddhist texts describe two vast lengths of time or time periods during which all beings have existed in samsara in one birth or another. One of these time periods is called a world cycle and the second is called an incalculable period. An incalculable period is described as being a time period almost impossible to fathom. The Buddha did give a Somali by which we could fathom a world cycle. The Buddha said, "Suppose, O monks, that there was a huge rock of one solid mass with no cracks or crevices that was one yojana, seven to fourteen miles long, one yojana wide and one yojana high." and suppose that every one hundred years, a man was to come and rub this rock with a silk shawl, then that huge rock would wear off before one world cycle. Of such world cycles, many have passed away, many hundreds, many thousands, many hundreds of thousands. This quote was given in some Yuta Nikaya, 15.5 The Buddha's account of his own efforts and cultivation to become a Buddha stretched back through vast, immense time scales that included many thousands of world cycles and 20 incalculable periods. It is a remarkable and astonishing thing that events in the life of the being who was practising to become Buddha, Gautama, a world cycle ago. Or 10 or a 100 world cycles ago have brought about a result here and right now for us as you read this information. What that being did those eons ago has become part of our life today. In this sense, the Buddha was practising for you and me. He was practising to give you and I an opportunity An option, a chance, a possibility to see the Dharma for ourselves. He was building a path out of samsara for us to stumble across in our meandering from life to death with the wish that we would find it and use it to help ourselves or to save ourselves. The Bodhisattva worked on through time for that possibility for us. Each person can then decide for themselves if the Buddha's path has meaning for them. I have considered thoroughly for myself in many ways and concluded that his teachings is the perfect truth. Even though his teachings are complete and there are beings in the world who have the complete realization of these teachings, I am still too clouded to see what is what. So I trust the Buddha. He is my teacher. I have confidence in his vision and insight and what he showed to the world. I have no doubt. The Buddha recommends and encourages students to work using their own diligence and intelligence, life force and resources for enlightenment. So I do that. I do what the Buddha wants. This is my refuge in the Buddha. I understand I don't know how to get out of the suffering. If I did know, I would have done it a long time ago. I want happiness, and yet I make suffering. I can make suffering, I can make samsara, I can make future births, so many things I can do, but to cease craving, to become fully enlightened, I need the Buddha. I take refuge in Buddha Dharma and Sangha, to become fully enlightened for myself and others, so that The sentient beings with whom I have some karmic connection can also find and realize the Buddha path. Buddhists don't worship Buddha or any other being. We have respect for Buddha. We respect the qualities of the Buddha and what he did in his life. We identify with the will of the Prince Siddhartha who dedicated his life to finding out about the truth of life we identify with the journey he undertook which resulted in him becoming awakened or enlightened. We are all on a journey in our lives, perhaps many journeys within one life. For Buddhists, having refuge in the Buddha is a statement that we want our personal journey in life to be that of becoming awakened that we recognize our life is an opportunity to overcome suffering for ourselves completely and perhaps help others to do the same. Refuge in the Buddha is like the compass bearing we have set for ourselves in life. We choose to journey towards enlightenment because, for us, we are using our life for something of great value and meaning. Without having Buddha refuge, the destination of our journey will end up being completely different. As we practice, we create so many good karmic courses for our future. Just like we have a choice in life to spend our money to buy anything we want, so too we can spend these good karmic courses or marriage we have made to get whatever we want. It is our refuge in Buddha that sets the direction these good courses will take us. Taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma and Sangha makes many karmic connections to Buddha-Dharma so that we can meet it again and again in the future until we complete the Buddha's path. Without that refuge, our merit could take us to a destination such as a birth in a higher heaven with no knowledge of the Buddha path, or perhaps many human lives of great wealth and comfort. We can all appreciate such lives Could be wonderful to experience but there comes a day when that good karma has been used up and as our merit bank account eventually runs dry we will have nothing whatever to show for our past efforts instead we decide to dedicate much of our merit to help us progress on the buddhist path if we examine the word refuge we see it has many meanings one meaning of refuge It's something we trust in or rely on for our true safety and well-being. Taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma and Sangha is in stark contrast to taking refuge in other things we see or experience in our world. Can we rely on money for our happiness and well-being? Can we rely on our marriage, our friends, our family, our jobs? These things are important. But how long does their protection really last for? From a Buddhist viewpoint, they only last as long as the karmic causes we have made for each of them. It is therefore different for each person. Even if we have many good karmic causes, all the good conditions we experience throughout our life are swept away by our death. What about our internal world? How reliable a refuge are our feelings? our bodies, our thoughts as the basis of our sustained security and well-being. Each of these is rapidly changing. One minute we have pleasant feelings, the next unpleasant feelings. One Buddhist teacher advised that feelings have an IQ of zero. We must examine thoroughly if our feelings can be relied upon. Our thoughts are similar. We can't say what thoughts we will be experiencing in two minutes from now. We worry about things that are often unimportant. We get annoyed about things that are often fleeting and in the large scheme of things, inconsequential. Ideas and beliefs we trusted in when we were younger. We reject as we get older. Can the shifting sand of our views and opinions be relied upon? Finally, our body has to use by a date which could be tomorrow, or it could be 40 years, we don't know. Taking refuge in Buddha is taking refuge in the path to reality, rather than the world. Taking refuge in the Dharma is taking refuge in right understanding about the world and seizing this opportunity to secure our own rescue and finally our own salvation. Taking refuge in the Sangha is taking refuge in those who know reality as it really is. Buddha refuge sets us in the right direction to Nibbana. It functions like a rudder on a boat. It sets the right direction. Without Buddha refuge, we cannot have confidence that we will access Nibbana. We may get to some form of peace and happiness, but it will not be Nibbana. It will not be everlasting. Buddha refuge clicks us into the Buddha Sassana, which is this Buddha teaching age. So, what does Buddha refuge mean? Does it mean bowing down to a Buddha image or to an altar? No, it means protecting ourselves from doing harmful actions. The Dharma Chakra or Dharma Wheel, used by many Buddhist temples and center, is a representation of Buddha refuge. The hub. The center represents the Buddha who comes into the world and accesses the Dharma and teaches it. The eight spokes of the wheel represents the eightfold path. The teaching that once applied have brought others to know what Buddha found out. The rim of the wheel represents the beings in the world that practice the Dharma, and this is what keeps the Dharma in the world. The community of monks, nuns, and lay persons who practice. These are called the Zangha. The Dharma Chakra also represents the fact that once the Dharma teachings are in the world, one person, by teaching another, sets off the process of awakening that is unstoppable. So the first teaching given by the Buddha after his awakening is called the Dharma Chakra Pavatana Sutta. This is referred to as the first turning of the wheel of dharma. It is the first time the Buddha taught the dharma and another person understood it. So we take refuge in the triple gem or the three jewels, the Buddha jewel, the dharma jewel and the sangha jewel. The Buddha jewel is the fact that Buddha exists. It is referred to as a jewel because it is something precious, not easily found, rare. To be like the Buddha is what we have been looking for, a state we can be completely happy and peaceful forever and never lose. The Dharma jewel is called a jewel because the teachings given by the Buddha are rare to find. They are only available during a Buddha Sasana. This age begins when a Buddha sets the will of Dharma in motion by giving the first teaching that awakens another being. The Buddha sasana is also impermanent. It lasts a specific time. This Buddha sasana lasts 5,000 years. The Buddha predicted it to end in about 2,400 years from now. The Dharma or teachings are precious because they are the teachings that will wake us to develop compassion and inside wisdom that will eventually bring you to Nirvana. The Sangha jewel is called a jewel because it is precious and rare to find. A community of monks and nuns and lay persons who follow the Buddha's teaching can only exist during a Buddha Sasana or Buddha teaching era. The beings who are following the teachings can seem to develop compassion and insight wisdom and are on their way to nirvana and to becoming a Buddha. Finally, having Buddha refuge or going for a Buddha refuge or taking Buddha refuge means that we have come to see that this is the only wise thing to do. Test out the Buddha path so you can see directly for yourself. What does it mean to test out the Buddha path? To test out the Buddha path means that you take the position I will do no action with my body, speech or mind that will cause harm to myself or others and I will make the causes necessary to become awakened. There is no one keeping check on you. It is a resolution that you make to yourself. There is no one keeping score for you. Having Buddha refuge means that you train yourself to become harmless. Ahimsa in Pali Meaning, not harming self or others. How do you know what is harmful? The Buddhist teaching have a list of wrong actions to be avoided. How do you know what actions to do to become awakened? The Buddhist teaching provide list known as the Eightfold Noble Path, the Ten Perfections. This is the promise of the Buddha Dharma. The Buddha's teaching, they promise that if you make the right courses, you will start to wake up, you will start to see for yourself, you will develop inside wisdom, you will no, no longer be duped by your own perceptions and opinions, you will no longer be duped by your karmic disposition. Buddha Saranam Gachami, I go to the Buddha for refuge. This means that you have decided to follow the Buddha, to become like Buddha. It does not mean that you worship the Buddha. It means that you hold the Buddha in highest respect and you have decided to follow him, to be like him. You want to find out the truth about the nature of all things, just as he did, and you will not stop until you find this truth for yourself. Dharmam, Saranam Gachami I go to the Dharma for refuge. You have decided to go for the truth, the Dharma. Your goal is now to reach Nibbana. You have heard that the Buddha's teaching can take you to Nibbana. You will follow the teachings until you experience Nibbana. You will maintain the right view. From the law of karma arises our reality, and because of this, you know that you can change to perfect the qualities that will bring you to Nibbana. Sangam Saranam Gachami I go to the Sangha for refuge. You recognize that the Sangha, the Buddha's community of monks and nuns, was established by the Buddha, has come from the Buddha himself. The Sangha are true holders of the Dharma in our world today and provide authentic Dharma to from their own direct experience. You can ask for guidance from the Sangha. You can request their help to come to the right view, right understanding. You can observe that the Sangha have committed themselves to learning and upholding the Dharma and have given up all kinds of worldly life. You will respect other persons who are following the Dharma. You will seek out and share your knowledge and help persons who are doing the same as you. You will put the Buddha's teaching into practice every day. You will live the teachings. Buddha refuge means protection, just as the word refuge itself means that which affords protection or shelter. Protection from what? Protection from our own ignorance and harmful actions. Buddha refuge stops us doing the wrong actions. Those actions that will result in harm to self or others, now or in the future. Having a refuge protects us because we are saying that we hold the truth above everything else, the law of karma and the way out of suffering, the practice to nibbana. When someone is yelling at you, you take refuge in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha instead of yelling back. You take refuge in the teachings regarding harmless speech, which means you choose to not yell back. This is how your refuge protects you. It gives you a wholesome response to follow. You make a positive affirmation when you go to Buddha refuge. It does not mean to become a martyr. You practice not going to anger or hate when others are not being kind. You understand that this is your karma. However, if they continue, you must get out of the way. Sometimes the karma is too strong. If you see a stream roller coming down the road, you don't stand there and say, oh well, it's my karma. You jump out of the way onto the footpath. If people continue harming you and you are trying everything you can, get out of the way. Practice avoidance of the topic or situation. It is not only the harm to yourself, but it protects person from continuing to do harm to you. They are making unwholesome karma for themselves. Buddha refuge protects you because it means you remember the law of karma, that whatever I experience is the result of my past actions. I am inheriting the causes I have made in the past. My karma is forcing me to see the situation unpleasant. If you can hold this thought in your mind instead of producing hate or jealousy or envy, or anger, then you are not making more negative karma. You are sowing the seeds of wisdom in your karmic stream, so that when a similar situation occurs in the future, the seeds of wisdom that you sowed earlier will arise as well and thus protect you from making negative karma actions by reacting back in a negative way. Buddha Dharma means truth or teaching, as taught by the Buddha. Buddha Refuge or Buddha Dharma Refuge can be literally translated into the teachings or truth that bring or provide protection or shelter. Buddha refuge means that we will stop defilements and increase wholesomeness in our mind. It is our mind action that produces the strongest karma. I am the owner of my karma, heir to my karma, born of my karma, related to my karma. Live with my karma. Whatever karma I shall do, whatever good or evil, it will be inherited. Offerings on a Buddhist altar. What is the relationship between refuge in Buddha, Dharma and Sangha and making offerings on a Buddhist altar? Many people who don't think of themselves at all religious are attracted to Buddhism. Generally, their interest extends to all those things they can make sense of through analysis and reason. But there are many things in Buddhism that don't lend themselves to being considered merely as a matter of common sense, philosophy or reason. Altars and offerings are a good example of this. What would we make of a Buddha's altar from the rationalist viewpoint? From this perspective we may regard it as purely an object of faith, or perhaps as a religious symbol that has value to people who see the Buddha as a being they wish to worship. But Buddhism teaches us to not worship the Buddha, not to worship any god or being who we may consider to be superior to ourselves. So what is going on when we see people bowing down before a Buddhist altar, or placing offerings of flowers, light and incense in front of a Buddha image. Buddha Dharma altars provide a student with an excellent opportunity to develop their generosity. For many centuries, Buddha Dharma practitioners have understood the virtue in offering flowers, water and light to the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha, family and friends. Offering on altars represent the four great elements of earth water, fire, and air. The earth element is represented by the offering of beautiful and abundant flowers, the water with bowls of clean, pure water, the fire by candles, and the air element is represented with the offering of incense. As time passes, the flowers wilt, the water evaporates, the candle die out, and the incense burns away, reminding the student of the impermanent nature of phenomena. It is important to make offerings with the right intention. A student must remind himself that the purpose of this offering is to wake up for the sake of self and others. This means recollecting the five precepts, taking refuge in Buddha, Dharma and Sangha. And being in the present with our mind inside our body, these actions will increase the mind's purity and hence the power of the offering. The Buddha taught that due to causes and effect, there are 10 blessings arising from the offering of flowers. For example, these are 1. Long life. 2. Good health. 3. Strength. 4. Beauty. 5. Wisdom. 6. Ease along the Buddha Dharma path. 7. Being born in beautiful environments. 8 born with good skin, hair and beautiful to look at. 9. Always having a sweet-smelling body. 10. Pleasant relationships with friends. There is also the symbolic meaning of the Buddhist altar, which is to remind us of our own deepest potential to become awakened. The example of the Buddha's life prove that human beings can become enlightened and the image of the buddha reflects back to us what is possible for us in our own life it is a touchstone to say hey don't forget what you're doing don't get too caught up in life's distraction dead ends and pastimes we make an offering on our altar to say this is where my heart is This is the inner refuge I rely on. I wish to remember that always. After having practiced Buddhism for some time, there is an experiential confirmation that making offerings on a Buddhist altar actually helps. Somehow our mind is affected in a unique way by this simple act. We experience that it is beneficial. It cleans and quietens our mind and it can bring us to an awareness where we feel connected to something beyond our own being. It's called a wordless nature. It's not a mystery or belief or superstition. It's just experiential learning and understanding that is not and cannot be arrived at through someone else's words. How important is it to develop and improving our mind and making the right causes and conditions to wake ourselves up? We can reflect that in every active Buddhist temple, every shrine room and meditation hall in the world, we can be fairly confident that at the center of the room, in the most prominent position will be a Buddha image placed on an altar of some sort. In most cases, there will be fresh offerings placed on these altars every day. And in some cases, the act of offering will be an essential part of the day's formal practice for their Sangha community.
0: This concludes Chapter 10 of the book titled, Bring Wisdom to Life. Thank you for listening to our Lifetimes of Learning podcast. To listen to other chapters of this book and our other recordings, please go to our website www.bdcu.org.au and click on Dharma teachings. Or you can go to our online World Buddhist Radio station from our website by clicking on Buddhist Radio. May you be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy.